Sarah from Clear Eyes Full Shelves, and welcome to the second half of our podcast with author Mindy Scott, who's written two wonderful books for teens, the first of which is Free Fall, and the more recent of which is Live Through This. In the first half of this podcast, we talked in depth about the subject of personal agency in fiction, and we do recommend you listen to that episode first, just so that you have some context for this discussion. In this discussion, we continue that topic of personal agency, but we also veer off in some other directions, and we hope you enjoy. We have so many books I know, on this we list. have this list, is like, if I keep adding It's like out of it. control. I know, I was thinking of other things, too, because I was like, oh my god, I forgot about Courtney Summers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I don't even know how to start with her characters and personal agency. <laughs> yeah, her characters are, man, her characters are tough. Yeah. I, I adore Courtney Summers. I, I do too. She's like my favorite. What Do you want to talk about something with her when, with regards to personal agency, Mindy? Or just in general. Oh, in regards <laughs> to that, I was going to say on Facebook, she posted this really great veggie wrap, and I make it all the time. And <laughs> <laughs> like, wait, like, and I call it the Courtney Summers wrap. Like, what do you want oh for dinner? Can we make the corny summers wraps? What is this wrap? And <laughs> oh, it's is you make a white bean white bean hummus is part of it. Ooh, um, trying to remember, I have the recipe. I will make sure that you get it because it is really good. And then you can have the corny summers wrap at your house. But I'm excited. <laughs> but I love more about Courtney than just her recipes. But <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say the first thing I think of when I think about Courtney Summers is not recipes. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I was I thought you were gonna talk about her books, and then I was like, oh, okay, we're gonna take it this way. That's cool too. One of the most interesting things about one of the most interesting things she's ever posted was when she talked about how video games helped her. Uh huh. Helped her writing. And I was just like, it blew my mind. I was like, oh my god, that's just like incredible. Well, I used to, um, I'd read a lot of stuff Courtney would post online before her first book came out. You know, I was aspiring writing and she was, um, you know, had a book deal and a book that would be coming out. And so I just like have really loved Courtney Summers, like, for years, just Courtney, but I love all of her books, and I always buy them, like, first thing when they come out, and I think I love each of them, like, more, like, like I have more love every time she writes a new book. <laughs> yeah, I, her, I'm, a, I'm a fangirl, Courtney Summers. <laughs> I, love her. I, mean, I am too, really, I have to say, I mean, I've read, I haven't read all her books, but it's almost like she's one of those authors where I'm saving those books. I do that with her books, also because after I read one of her books, I can't really read anything for so a couple intense. of weeks. Like, I sort of feel mentally exhausted. <laughs> so, like, this is not a test sort of killed me. Oh, I love that It so was much. so good, and so, um, so was- different, and, man, it got at a lot of... That that main being in that main character's head was really hard. Oh, it was really hard. <laughs> it was really hard. It sort of. But I think that's the point. Yeah, and the I mean, you, I I recommend it to people, and I'm like, and it's got zombies, and they kind of give me this terrified look. Stop comparing that book to The Breakfast Club, by the way. Okay, I just wanted yeah, to say that. Why do people do that? I have no people idea. People do that, but <laughs> a lot of people are calling it Breakfast, Breakfast Club, Club with zombies. With zombies. 
Which is not it at all. Stop <laughs> doing that. Whoever did that to begin with, no. 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 We don't agree with you, sorry. I, I mean, well, and it would also be kind of mean to, like, hand that book or someone and be like, it's like The Breakfast Club, but with zombies. And then they'd, like, be traumatized after they read it. Like, <laughs> they'd be like, not like The Breakfast Club. <laughs> just, like, up to the last page of that book, I would just, like, like the whole that's not how I feel when I watch the breakfast club no 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 so (laughs) but anyway Uh, but I think that book is fascinating as far as personal agency because that character is uh, wanting to go in a direction that pretty much everybody in the world does not agree with. She literally know? does not want to live, and she's in a life-and-death situation. Yeah. So it's like her reaction is so... Where she wants to be is so contrary to the norm, and it's it's just so messed up and yeah. fascinating. And like how she is in this position of not wanting to be where she is, but she isn't, and everybody else would think that she was lucky for yes. making it through this thing. And being trapped. And in she a, doesn't even want to be there. Being trapped in a high school with yeah. zombies banging on the door. I mean. Yeah. Would you rather be the zombie or would you rather be the one trapped? This is an interesting question. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Mindy, how do you feel about this? Let's take a vote. Oh, uh, <laughs> You know, I've been afraid of zombies forever, so I, I maybe I'd rather be the zombie so I wouldn't have to be afraid of them, right? <laughs> <laughs> but maybe not. No, I've always I've always been like really like horror, anything like that, nightmares. And um I read this is not a test. I think it was no, I read, you know that Unicorns and Zombies, yes. um, the short stories? Yeah, Zombies versus Unicorns. Right, right, yeah. My yeah. friend was like, you can just read the Unicorn stories if you want. And I was like, I will only read Unicorn stories. <laughs> and so she gave it to me, and I ended up, like, actually liking a lot of the zombie stories better. And then I was like, then I was ready to read This Is Not a Test, because I was like... There zombie stories in that book. Yeah, yeah, I really, I really was into that, but... Um, <laughs> I was I was surprised because I thought maybe this would be the first Courtney Summers book I wouldn't be able to read. It's my but then, favorite. Yeah, mine too. It's I, like I said. I think with each of them, well, I like cracked up to be like more than um, some girls are. But for the most part, it's like my favorite is whichever one's the most recent every uh-huh. time. So yeah. Well, she everything <laughs> she writes, each one, it's like oh, I've never read a book like that. Like that, yeah, I would agree. Yeah, I think that's why hers always stick in my head. Like whatever the most recent one, because I do the same thing. And I think it's because it's like each one sort of lingers. It's like, wow, I've never mm-hmm. read that story done that way. Yeah, even though a lot of the stories she tackles are sort of, you know, you can see those sorts of sorts of stories, but she takes them in like a direction you'd never expect. Yeah, she was just talking about that on Tumblr the other day a little bit about how you can. Have a story that sounds common, but will if you need to do things with it to be yeah. a successful writer, you know. Yeah, and I mean, this is not a test. Is such a good example of that because it it's a zombie story that's not like any zombie story. Yeah, it's not like one I've ever read or seen on TV. So it's yeah, and zombies freak me out too. 
Yeah, but yeah, they're freaky. They are freaky. Because they're, like, not sentient, and yet they're so focused on, like, eating, eating brains. You. And, like, <laughs> it's just, like, you can't rationalize the zombie. Like, you could theoretically rationalize with a vampire because they're, like, you know, they can function. Mm-hmm. And, like, they, you could have a conversation and be like, dude, like, let's not eat me. <laughs> and zombie, you could be like, dude, let's not eat me. And he'd just be like, brains, brains. <laughs> And, like, you know, they're, I mean, I don't know. Or, like, the vampire would be like, you know what? There's someone who's, like, A-positive down the way. Like, you know, I mean. <laughs> I, you know, like, werewolves, like, maybe you could chuck a steak at them or something. And they'd, like, be like, ooh, I like T-Bone more than humans. I, I don't know. The zombies seem pretty, like, fighting a zombie seems pretty hopeless. Yeah. I think we finally, it really does. There's no reasoning with them. Oh. Damn zombies. We finally got into, like, what the podcast should have been about. Like, this started, right? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Oh, I mean, like, my, I've thought a lot about various, like, sort of apocalypse-type scenarios, including zombies, and I, that is not my preferred apocalypse. Zombies would be really... That would be really low on my list. Yeah, yeah, no, that would be really low on my list. I would not... I mean, I feel like the zombie would... Really minimize my personal agency quite a lot, yes. you know, to tie it in with our podcast. I just feel like, yeah, I would be in my house. We have this like weird hole thing. It's kind of like the hatch in Lost, uh-huh. which is where our furnace is. And if there was a zombie apocalypse, I would just go into the hatch and like just stay there until. Is there room for Josh it. too? Yeah, there's like like it's probably like ten by ten. Oh, okay. Oh, wow, you guys have a hatch? Yes, we <laughs> totally. It's, I call it like the Lost style hatch because it's so weird. Like, <laughs> like, I literally, like, when we were having, we bought this house, we had, like, the home inspection thing. I had no clue where the furnace was. And, like, the, the home inspector guy was like, I wonder if you have, like, a, and he called it, like, a mechanical space or something like that. <laughs> and it's, like, a hatch in, the, in this closet, and it's got, like, a weird, creepy ladder and everything. <laughs> and the furnace is down in the hatch. So. That is pretty weird. Yeah. Anyway. So, that's where I will be if there is a zombie apocalypse. But that is definitely, if I were to rank the apocalypses I want, that would be... Not that I want an apocalypse, but <laughs> that would be down, like, way at the bottom, because I'm yes. terrified. And, you know, I just... Yeah. Never be able to go outside. Yeah, and, like, What man, about your dogs? Well, I mean, they would be in the hatch, too. It'd just be... It'd be hard to hide with them, though. They'd get really loud in there. Probably. <laughs> I see... I, no zombies. <laughs> Have you guys read um, the Carrie Ryan's books, The Forest of Hands and Teeth, that, that I trilogy? I have not. Okay. Because I read the whole trilogy, and it's sort of like, you know, now that we're talking about zombies instead of that other topic. <laughs> <laughs> I think I will name this podcast Personal Agency, dot, 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 and zombies. <laughs> Woo! <laughs> anyway, but that does have to do with personal agency, too, because they... You know, it's like, this is is how they live now. And, you know, the choices they have to make, it just happens to be that they're, you know, trying not to be eaten all the time. There are no good choices in that, in that world. Yeah. Exactly. Those, that book, I did not read the rest of the series. The first one freaked me out too much. Oh, wow. (laughs) See, I, I did read the whole series. The zombies in that one are so creepy. 
As opposed to just, like, average creepy. I don't know. Like, they were, like, so sort of, like, because the way she describes those zombies are, like, like, you can hear them. Oh. And that just freaked me out. Like, and they're, like, up in this tree. Oh. (laughs) There's this fence. And the Oh, it's just like, there's no good defense against these zombies. I've been beta reading for somebody, and there is, you know who this is, but I've been beta reading for someone, and there is this scene that kind of deals with creepy undead things. I'm being intentionally vague because I don't want to spoil this for the person who's writing it and whatever, but that really freaked me out. If you're listening... (laughs) If you listen to this podcast, you know who you are, and I am creeped out. Creepy undead (laughs) things freak me out. Like, I don't... And she made it so that you could hear it. See, that's what... The scratching sounds. That's what did it for me in the forest of hands and teeth. Because, like, they're, like, gnashing on, like, they're gnashing... uh, What is this? Gnashing. Gnashing on this fence. You know the scene I'm talking about, Mindy, right? When they're, like, walking and, like, the oh, yeah. are on the other side of the fence and they're, like, teeth on the fence. And, like, that just, like, my mom, of course, who loves that kind of thing, like, devoured that. So she's like, <laughs> that was so awesome. And it's just, like, it was terrifying. <laughs> <laughs> I was such a lightweight. Like, I don't do well with scary. I mean, you have to be, because I am a lightweight, Sarah, and I read all three of them, okay? I'm just saying. <laughs> I just, I mean, it was that scene when they're on, when they're on the, um, when they're, there's that fence, and they're chewing on the fence, and that just freaked me out. <laughs> like, and they're just so close. Anyway. Yeah. I don't do well with, I don't think I'm that bad a lightweight. <laughs> well, maybe I'm just getting, like... More of a heavyweight then. Yeah. I'm I'm more heavyweight toward zombies these days. Yeah. I I, I honestly can't even really watch The Walking Dead anymore. I haven't watched that in a while. I kind of like fell off a bit. I didn't watch it all last season because it just, oh, I mean, also there was like the character who eventually did die. I wanted her to die so badly because like I hated the actress and so I just, like, I was like, until she's dead, I'm not watching this show. <laughs> <laughs> so, anyway, sorry. You gotta have principles. <laughs> Actually, we can talk a lot about The Walking Dead and, like, how, like, no one has any personal agency on that show. Except yeah. For... Everybody's always making decisions for everybody else. On I know. Show. It's like... So, again, personal agency, dot, 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 and zombies. Zombies. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't realize we were going to talk about it in relation to the zombie apocalypse, but that's cool, too, you know? I didn't really realize it even related to the zombie apocalypse, and now I'm thinking about it, I'm just like, oh, it kind of does. It really does, and that's that's what Courtney Summers just brings out in people. Like, she she just helps you find it, you know? She would be, actually be proud of this, I think. Oh, <laughs> she's, yeah, I, I don't know if she, she listens to us, but I she'd think, probably be really proud if she was listening to us right now. Yeah, she'd be like, yes! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she probably would do, like, an evil laugh. I think she does. <laughs> Actually, you know, it's interesting, like, a lot of the, like, that's sort of, like, the 
whatever kind of like sort of post-apocalyptic, apocalyptic type stuff. Or like, dystopian. Does, like it either handles that kind of thing really well, um, or it's like there's no no personal agency whatsoever. And yeah. it's kind of like I like Tomorrow When the War Began, there's yeah. a lot of really that series, um, there's a lot of really interesting I overuse interesting too. Um <laughs> moments in that whole that lengthy series um where the various characters but ellie's the narrator are um either sort of making big decisions for everyone else yeah or or they're making an individual decision without thinking about how it impacts everybody else yeah there's a lot of that i mean that's a really excellent that's one of my very favorite series and that's um that's what I always, you know, people who, like, become obsessed with the Hunger Games, I always tell them to read that series, because I yeah. think it sort of touches on a lot of the same themes, even though they're really different types of series, yeah. series and different types of stories and different types of worlds. Um, but there's a lot in that particular series with regards to just the way some people don't have any choices. Yeah. And, um, you know, the even the little ones are, I don't know. I'm kind of going off the rails on that. Anyway, that's a very interesting series to discuss. These yeah. stupid headphones are pissing me off. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> no, they keep falling out of my ears. I have little, I have little ear holes, so earbuds, <laughs> yeah, don't work well for me. <laughs> sorry, but I'll edit that. I think out. if we're talking about dystopians and personal agency, we would have to talk about The Handmaid's Tale. Oh my god, yes, which is one of my favorite books ever. Have you read that one, Mindy? No, I Atwood. I, I need to read that. I have not read that. Yeah, you should read that. I will. I will read it! (laughs) Uh, But the story it tells and the tiny moments of personal agency that are offered to the main character, whose name in the book is Offred, Mm -hmm. uh, which is not a name that she had chosen for herself, because I don't know who would do that. Um... (laughs) (laughs) Uh, and she's very limited in her personal agency in this book, uh, due to, uh, the way the world is at this point in her life. And at this point, the United States has been fractured and there was a government coup and now the people that run the country are, uh, kind of like a Christian theocracy, I want to say. Yeah, I'd say that's the best. I don't really know how else to say it. I think that's the... Yeah, and then, but it's, like, the women in the book have a lot of really difficult things to deal with as a result of this. And I think it's really interesting that one of the other female characters, there's not too many, but this character is very limited in what she sees Mm -hmm. of the world. Uh, But... Even the woman that she lives with is thought that this world would be something different. A world that she had advocated for would be something different. And now she is really limited, too. And it's really interesting how... Oh, I use that word again. Damn. Sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe we need, like, a swear jar for the word interesting. Yeah. I overuse it, like... I actually pulled out the Just like our little shockers on each other. We can each wear like collars during the podcast and buzz each other when we use it. It's really violent. 
Yeah. You can just make a list from the thesaurus of like alluring, affecting, exceptional, gripping, intriguing. Like there's there's a whole oh, bunch I of them, but they just don't. Interesting with intriguing, like when I write, and so now it's become a problem. Yeah, I use that word a lot <laughs> and too. And compelling is another one yes. that I abuse. It's problematic. How about, how about stimulating? <laughs> oh, that, I don't know about that one either, man. Okay. For other reasons. <laughs> yeah, I, just, I just read a book that um, I'm sure neither one of you have read because it's not out yet, and it's. Um, just, I don't think one either one of you would be likely to read, but um, Molly O'Keefe is one of my favorite writers, and she writes um, adult contemporary romance, but she does it in, like, a very subversive way, mm-hmm. and um, actually, I, I'm sure I've told this story before, I, I read a book, um, the first book I read by Molly, I read last year, because I read an interview with her in USA Today, where she talked about how Friday Night Lights inspired her writing, <laughs> and I was like, alright, I'm gonna buy one of her books! <laughs> copy of her book that's coming out next month called Wild Child and it sort of seems like sort of your traditional like setup for you know a contemporary romance it's set in a small town um small town mayor da, 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 this woman comes to big city sort of celebrity type woman comes to um this small town in Arkansas and um these two have strike <laughs> <laughs> Um, have you know develop a relationship and um it sort of seems like your normal like sort of small town contemporary romance and it's totally not like it's really subversive and there's a wonderful moment in that book where um monica the main character um says to the mayor who she has this relationship with Monica says to to this guy, uh-huh. she's like, you didn't save me. I saved myself. Uh-huh. And it's such a, and she also, it's really funny. She's like, it's just also like, and like, don't think you have a magic penis. <laughs> <laughs> such, a, like, such a subversive thing because yeah. that's like a huge trope in like the romance genre is the like magic. a magic penis. <laughs> and like... Like I'm magical, not aware of that. Yeah, the magical healing penis is like a thing, and it's like so awful and wrong <laughs> on so many levels. And it's such a long-standing, like someone, ha- like this woman has all these problems, and she meets this dude, and he clearly has like this magical healing penis, and they're like, and she's all better, and like so she says explicitly, like that is what she says, and so it's like this sort of like wonderful subversive thing in that genre, and like. Not only, like, is she, like, very aware of, like, she saved her, like, she made the choice to not be in um, because she were, she, previous, off the page, like, previous to the setting of the book, she wrote a best-selling, a uh, best-selling memoir called Wild Child about her life as sort of, like, this wild child, um, with this celebrity mother, and, um, she made the decision to not be that person anymore, but in making the decision to not be that person, she also constructed a character for herself. Mm-hmm. And so she makes, in through the course of the book, she makes the decision to be, um, to to be true to herself and to be her authentic self. But like she has to make it clear because this guy like thinks like sort of he has a sort of like hero complex where he thinks he's like sort of rescuing her. Uh huh. And when she says that to him, it's also this big moment for him where he realizes like. Maybe his penis isn't well, so magical. Yeah, maybe, but also that, 
Like, he can't be responsible for anyone but himself. And, like, to actually have a relationship, a healthy relationship with this woman, like, he needs to, like, kind of get his shit together. Uh-huh. And not think, like, he can just, like, sort of be, like, the hero who rushes in with his magical healing penis. And, like, but it's, like, so, it was so, like, when, when I got to that part of the book, I was like, oh, I get what you're doing here, Molly. Like, I got, like, I mean, and she does that kind of stuff a lot where she kind of, like, is like, ha, hey, I'm using this, like, really common trope, except for, ha, 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 here's everything that's wrong with this trope. And, like, that's such an interesting moment in that book, and it's just, like, stuck with me, where they both, like, she has so much more awareness than he does about how she needs to make the decisions that are right for her. And, like, maybe he can come along for that ride, but maybe, you know what, maybe he's not able to do that because he hasn't made the decisions to make his he's he's unhappy with his life and he wants something different but he doesn't know what that is or how to get there and he realizes like ah crap like I gotta sort of figure out me and that's the only way I can you know obviously it's got a happy ending because you know that's the sort of nature of the genre but it's it's I love that about that book and I'll write more about it on the blog because it was like very brilliantly subversive but it was you know i just needed to i'm not being coherent (laughs) (laughs) no i think it made sense okay so it just that was one that i had on my list that i wanted to mention because i do think that's um in that genre in particular they're often there's such a focus on the story like of the, the romance, romance of the, the, the often, unit of the, of the, of the unit people. and yeah. like that's why molly's books in general really focus on sort of each character's personal growth so that they can be together and yes i know i mean that's what she's really like i that is I've, something i feel so strongly about I do too, which and that's is why probably really, why i'm not that into romance, her books so. really like for me they set the bar for that type of story and that's what i always you know when you know, whether it's YA or adult, like, read a book that's focused on the romance between two characters. If they don't sort of meet the sort of level of what she does with her romances, I I, often, I find myself disappointed because that is so critical, I think. And I think that's really, um, I don't think that's an unreasonable expectation of a story in which they both, you know, they have, because they can't have a good relationship unless they... They kind of got their shit together as right. an individual. And maybe the relationship is a catalyst for them that happening, um, as is in in that book that I just mentioned. But um, it's still really, really important, and that's why I find myself disappointed um, a lot of times by, you know, the genre. Right. So... So, Mindy, when we lost her for a second, started typing on this shared document that we have. And so, Mindy, do you want to talk about what you're saying? Because we can't not talk about Friday Night Live for our podcast. I can't believe we haven't really done it yet today. We should have, in our introduction to Mindy, we should have mentioned that in her... um, acknowledgments on live through in live through this like the first paragraph ha- has a like clear eyes full hearts can't lose <laughs> well i'm like this is why i like bindi yeah <laughs> among well, many other things <laughs> what i was typing was vince howard because um i remember that um 
when I read Laura's review long, long ago and didn't know who she was in free fall. <laughs> <laughs> and she does, or I don't know if you always do, but you were I doing, do. um, yeah. yeah, the Friday night lights. I know I've been really, I, I actually have to say like, I've gotten really burned out on review writing. So I haven't been giving FNL character ratings because I haven't written like an actual review, like a review yeah. review. Like I've been sort of writing these like extensive like think pieces that are like totally nerdy, and I don't know if anyone reads them anymore. But <laughs> anyway, sorry. Oh, so Mindy, sorry. So Seth was given the Vince Howard character rating, and then I remember that after Sarah had posted her review of Live Through This, um, she had to consult with with Laura. Did it, I wasn't say, re- it wasn't really big. Yeah. Yeah, this yeah. was like a really big issue. Was and extensive. I was like out of town at the time. Yes. And I hadn't finished the book yet. And it was like this bit, really big problem. Yeah, it was hugely troubling. I mean. And, and so what you told me, and I don't think the review was ever edited, but you told me that Coley was also getting the Vince Howard or a rating, right? <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it was. That's like, what we decided, but we wanted to make sure that was okay with you. Yeah, which is like totally not normal. Like we don't usually consult with people. Yeah, but we were just like, well, because the thing is, is that because I had given Freefall the Vince Howard rating already, and I didn't know it. We didn't know if Mindy would be okay with giving this other book a Vince Howard rating. Too. Oh no, it's been pending. Yes, I never did update. Oh, it, it. is pending. Yeah, I never did update whether or not it was. Um, Okay, well, we'll take care of that. Yeah. So I just feel like, you know, all of these different titles that we've been talking about, that probably that's what they would get as well. Like, that's sort of what personal agency is. It's like Vince Howard embodies personal agency. He really does. He does. (laughs) So I just felt like, you know, if we were going to tie things up, Vince Howard had to be discussed because... Obviously. Well, and I've been watching, because, like, we're in this sort of TV wasteland at the moment. Um, I've been watching, I've been, so I I have this problem where I just, like, randomly queue up Friday Night Lights So I stay up, I stay up later than my husband does, and, because he's, like, he's, like, an early morning, early to bed person, and I'm, like, I know it's so weird. And I am not. I'm a late night person. And, um... So, I usually have, like, stuff on the DVR or whatever that I, like, kind of catch up on my TV, but, like, sort of this, like, August to, like, October time is awful. So, what does one do when there's nothing to watch on television or on the DVR is one would, the logical course of action is to Netflix Friday Night Lights, (laughs) which I do, like, once or twice a year. Like, I'll just sort of watch all of the episodes. (laughs) And it's really weird because I get sucked in. Like, I'll be like, because this time I actually just started with season four. Like, I just watched the last two seasons. And um, so I'm, like, midway through the fifth season, right? Because I haven't been sort of binging it, though it's like, takes a lot of self-control not to, which is weird because I've seen every episode, like, five Five times. Five times, maybe more. (laughs) Probably more. And... I, like, want to, like, I get very emotionally sucked in. Anyway, so we're smack in the middle of, like, Vince and that episode where I just watched last night where Coach Taylor and Vince are in um, Coach's office. I know which you know the you're one talking I'm talking about. about. And Coach says to Vince, you know, you need to try to be better than everyone else. 
And he looks, is this what you were thinking yes. of? And Vince is like. I can like see, I'm like cheering. I know, about I know. It, like, know? and it's such, like, it's when you also realize, like, Michael B. Jordan is, like, gonna be oh. a huge star someday. But the way his lip, like, because quivers way, a little bit. And it's like, and the way his, like, that scene just kills me. And he's, you know, he's like, you all want, he's like, you. He's like, you know, no one you taught me. You all expect me, me to he's be like, this and way. No, he's like, I, you know, no one taught me how to be better. Yeah. You know, and you all want me to be better. No one. And, like, he, you know, Coach Taylor says, well, you know, characters into trying. Yeah. You know, and anyway. And, like, that. Anyway, I think I'm that's true, though. That. It's about how you try, not, a, you know. Yeah, and that moment, like, just, like, I think that sort of epitomizes that, how Vince embodies that idea of like where Vince understands that he just he has to try yeah like that mm-hmm. he can't be and I just sorry I love that I love that scene like I got really emotional watching it and I've seen it so many times I'm like I'm crazy I'm a crazy person <laughs> I just, I love it so much. It's actually gotten to the, I'm just to go be a little tangential again, like, I've gotten to the point where, like, like, so I'll be, you know, I'll be, like, up watching that on the, you know, the TV, and, um, my husband will have gone to bed, and then the theme song comes down, and I mute it, yeah. because I don't want Josh to think I'm crazy. Because <laughs> <laughs> I know he'll hear it, you know, like, I know yeah. he'll, like, wait, because our house is really tiny, and I know he'll be like, are you watching that show again? <laughs> That's actually what I requested for my birthday is that my mom get me the whole series, that set, you know? Yes. So it sounds like it's happening. Yay. So it'll, it'll be a go. Because I've only had the first season. I've, I've obviously watched the whole series, but I haven't been able to recall them aside from Netflix. And uh, Yeah, I know. So. I don't own the DVDs either, and it kind of, except for the fifth season. Um and it's just like kind of a sad thing, but I think anyway, Vince, How- you're like all- Laura, you're like the practically the Vince Howard expert. So I don't know about that, but I do love Vince Howard. I think he really embodies the personal agency thing a lot, and he's somebody. I feel like if I were to read a book from his point of view, like kind of like if anyone wants to do this for me out there, like <laughs> write about Friday Night Lights from Vince. In Vince's head, that would be really awesome. <laughs> so I could just like have this Vince Howard thing in my house on my bookshelf. Um, but the way he has to struggle to try to be better, um, and there's a lot of things that he has to struggle with because his mom has, you know, when Vince first shows up, he's kind of been in trouble and his mom has a drug addiction and can't really isn't really in a position to take care of him at the moment and things like that. And um, he kind of has to figure out a way to push through it with the help of Coach Taylor Pep Talks. (laughs) (laughs) Which we could all use more of in our lives. Yeah. So it's like, Mindy, it's Vince Howard, like, kind of who you think of when you write your character. No! (laughs) He inspire you. <laughs> Never specifically. It was just like after you guys both picked him for both of my characters that I was like, you know, that's such an interesting coincidence. But it, it's not, I mean, it's not a coincidence because it's the type of character that I want to write, but I never thought of Vince Howard, like, specifically, well, you know? Yeah, you know, I mean, the thing with Vince, too, is with him, 
you know, I mean, everyone loves Tim Riggins and so do I, but, like, the turning point for his character is, like, a really big moment. Mm -hmm. And with Vince, there's a lot of little moments Mm -hmm. that make his character arc so compelling. Like, just these tiny things where he makes decisions for himself. And, you know, like, when he goes to talk to the superintendent of the school district towards the end of the last season. Like, that is such, and he, that is such a big moment. Yeah. And you wouldn't think, like, it's like a little thing he does. And And when he does that, though, and he's talking to that person, and you see how far he's come. Yeah, and it's just such a, like, because his character doesn't have, like, these big things he does, like Tim does or Tyra does. You know, or Matt does. Like, all three of those characters do big things. Yeah, they have, like, these dramatic, like... Yeah, and Vince doesn't have those big dramatic moments. They're, like, a culmination of little things. Yeah. And I think that's why his story... As I have become the preeminent scholar of Friday Night Live, (laughs) my, my study... Um, like, that's, like, like each time I rewatch the series, because I'm insane. Yeah. Um, like, his story, like, becomes more, what they did with that story becomes more and more sort of significant to me. Because right. it's not. It really resonates with me. Yeah. Yeah. It's just, like, this little, like, you know, in, you know, in season four when he realizes, like, he needs to listen to Coach. And that, like, that could mean big things for him. Right. And that doesn't happen. Like, he doesn't have a moment where he realizes it's, like, this sort of culmination of, like, little incidences where he realizes he's not all alone. Yeah. And, you know, and even, you know, when things, like, when he goes and asks um, Jess's father for help and, like, all those things that he does and they don't always work out for him, but they're all sort of are building towards, you know, him being the Vince you see at the end of the story. And, like, you don't see Vince being, like, he's kind of, like, in a sense, like, Rosetta. Like, you don't see, like, the end game for Vince. Right. Like, he doesn't go off and, like, get his scholarship and, like, play in right. the NFL or whatever. But you know that he is on a path to where he can be better. Right. Yes. Which is the kind of character I feel the most rewarded by, where all of the, like, you see them at the beginning, you're just like, oh, my God, this person is just fucking mess. You yeah. know? And he is. And like, you don't even necessarily series. have to be a mess as far as like getting in trouble or something yeah. like that, but just internally and emotionally, you can just kind of be a mess, you know? And to kind of see them slowly start to unravel that. Yeah. And get to a place where they're not such a mess anymore is really rewarding to me when I read. So those kind of stories are my favorite. Yeah. And Vince Howard embodies that. Yes. Yeah, most definitely. <laughs> but, like, I think, like, when you're, especially when you're a teenager, maybe even when you're still an adult, um, it's really hard to see, um, like, who you are and then make that line up with who you want to be. Um, and because it takes a lot of little things, but it sometimes it seems like those little things will never add up to that point to what you want it to be, but there's really no other way to make it happen, you know? So I really like these books that, you know, like what Lisa Schroeder was saying, where you can see that it's possible when you do these little things for yourself and when you do your best to take control of your life. Um, as much as you can when you're a teenager and still living at home, you know what I mean? Um, but you can still do little things for yourself to kind of end up to 
be in the place that you want to be, you know, and some people have different goals for that. Like some people think 10 years, some people are just like, you know, I just want to get through this year, you know, and that's fine as long as, you know, whatever works for you. But I really like how the, the authors that I like the most are the ones who don't make it easy, per se, and don't have like this one really big thing. But as opposed to where it's just like a little thing, because I think that's how it developed in my life, where there were lots of little things that kind of like added up to me being where I am. And I mean, I'm quite a happy person, I think. Well, and I think what you're pointing to is unfortunately not necessarily what's trendy right now in in any sort of storytelling, whether it's, you know, in novels or TV or what have you, like, Mm -hmm. the trend right now is, like, these big dramatic things, Mm -hmm. and I don't find the payoff in those. Yeah. I mean, okay, like, I love the Vampire Diaries, but, like, (laughs) (laughs) like, and the things that I really, like, to stick with me is, are those sort of smaller stories that have the bigger payoff over time, and it really annoys the crap out of me that that's not particularly trendy at the moment. Yeah. Like, it... It just, you know, that's my little gripe. So there's this um, this quote by Richard Peck, and I have no idea where this quote came from. Like if he was speaking at something, but um, it, it's something that's always resonated with me in regards, like just to a whole novel, but also, you know, a satisfying character. Um, um, what am I trying to say? <laughs> character, character arc. That yes, um, and it's it's. Um, the young adult novel ends not with happily ever after, but at a new beginning with the sense of a lot of life yet to be lived. Oh, I love that. That's really good. Yeah. And, and so I think, you know, that has just everything that you were just talking about with Vince and um, a lot of these other characters we've been discussing today, that that's kind of a lot of how they, their stories kind of end as well. It's sort of this, they're, they're on the threshold. And, and that's how. So do you realize what time it is? <laughs> we just looked at the clock at the same time and we were like, holy shit, we've been talking for a really long time. Oh. <laughs> Which is fine. Yeah. Um, we might yeah. have to split this up or something. Or do some massive editing. Edit out all the zombies. <laughs> Um, I don't know, really quickly, we want to just mention the other books that we had, even if we don't have a lot of time to talk yeah. about them, but, uh, The Moon and More. Which is, like, you're, definitely. like, really high on that book these days. You've related it to a lot of stuff. Yeah, and I think the personal agency in that book in it's particular. Huge. It really is. I think probably more than any of her other books. Yeah, and I think it's something that... Sh- in this book has been criticized is how much personal agency this character exercises and it's something that I really personally like about that character so I'm kind of like pushing back against I think I feel like this need to defend this character against all these people who are like why did she make this decision? You're on a bit (laughs) of a mission with that particular book is uh, defending that character. Yeah. I really believe in the decisions that she made for herself. Yeah, so she, I mean, I I do too. I I believe I believed all the choices that she made were the right choices she needed to be. Yeah, and I think they were realistic. Yes, and I think that's maybe why that book is unsatisfying to yeah. a lot of people. And I think that yeah, I think they were the decisions that were going to lead her to maximize her potential happiness in the future. Yeah, to being to 
to being the sort of adult that she could be. Yeah. And then the, also DJ from the Dairy Queen trilogy. We love her. Yeah. She's, she's great. And that whole story arc is DJ figuring out the sort of, she, the last book in particular, I think. Yeah. Where she's, damn it, these stupid headphones keep oh, falling out of my ears. <laughs> um, where she, DJ has two, and I know Mindy, you haven't read this book, so I'm trying to be, um, DJ has two very distinct paths she can, she can take. Yeah. And trying, DJ feeling empowered to make those decisions, even though they're hard, is really, like, the payoff is really rewarding oh, as a I love reader. that trilogy. I'm so happy when I think about the end of it. And then also, DJ is very, I don't want to say burdened, but she has a lot of family responsibilities. Yeah, she's, that her family are farmers. She cannot just shirk these responsibilities that she has. But So she has to find a way to exercise her personal agency while also... With maintaining the responsibilities that she has and their what they need, and, yeah. Um, uh, and Catherine Gilbert Murdoch really walks that line with that character, and like it's that series is so good, yeah. <laughs> it's really, I it very it was I found that very relevant to my life in a lot of ways. Just look, the way it's like the small town thing is never cheesy. Like I find mm-hmm. like there's a lot of. She does a lot of things that I think is really respectful of the types of characters she's portraying in that book. Yeah. And that is not often the case when folks tackle those types of characters. Oh, I just made like a little bit of a football joke since DJ plays football. <laughs> yeah, I'm so funny. <laughs> and then the next one, Laura, you had Bitter Melon um, by Kara Chow. Yeah, which that book is not a book that I actually rated highly. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think personal agency is a really big theme in that book, um, especially with regards to parental expectations and not just parental expectations, but parental demands. Um, because I think that there are, you know, I grew up in a family where certain things were demanded of me, not just where a parent was pushing me and then being like, oh, but you can do whatever you want and be whatever you want to be. That was not what it was like in my family. Like, I was to do these certain things and end up this way. This was the way it had to be in my house. And that's a thing that this character struggles with really strongly as well. Um, So I like that book. And then also A Northern Light. Which is one of my favorite books Ever. Yeah. Have you read that one, Mindy? I haven't. That's actually a good audiobook, too, if you need something for you. Yeah, that was the first audiobook I ever listened it's to. It's a really, really, it. really well done audiobook. Um, but it's just that... It's a historical novel, and it's... Um, and the thing that I really... Jennifer Donnelly is a really good writer. And what she does with that book in terms of she writes this is very rooted in this very real thing that happened Mm -hmm. in um like sort of around Utica New York um and so it's rooted in this history but it's also very relevant to the sort of things that girls in particular 
deal with now. Mm-hmm. And, um... I would agree with that. Do, you know, does she follow her dreams and, like, take this big risk? Because it's, a, you know, or does she go with the safe thing that's expected to, her, you know, of her? Yeah, but that and, she knows won't make her happy. But she knows won't make her happy, but it will make everyone around her happy. And, like, where, like... Like, what's the balance between being responsible to herself and being responsible to all these people around her? And um, it's just a really, it's a smart, thoughtful book. That oh, really, yeah. And it has, like, the best last scene ever. <sighs> like, the last scene of that book is, like, the, it is, my, like, probably my favorite last scene of any book. Like, which, I mean, I think having a really awesome last scene is, I don't know, it's, yeah, like the last scene in Free Fall. That's a really good last <laughs> scene, too, Mindy. Come on, Sarah. You can't forget that one. I know. I know. It's a really awesome. The last scene in Free Fall is actually the, the last With scene. With a t shirt? I know. You know how I feel about t shirts. I know. Actually, like, like tonally, they have very similar notes to them. Yes. Uh, which is. Very relevant to that last scene of Free Fall. It's true. It's You're true. very good with the puns today. I know. It re- I really am. I am bringing it unintentionally. <laughs> <laughs> um, and the other, um, another, the last book that I really wanted to mention was um, one I haven't talked about on the blog or really um, in the podcast at all. I don't think is. Lisa Palmer's Conversation with a Fat Girl. I haven't read that. Which I highly recommend. Actually, I highly recommend all of Lisa's books. She's amazing. And um, just really balances a lot of things. And I, I just, I love her books. And um, also, Nowhere But Home does have a Vince Howard shout out, which I really appreciate. <laughs> So, just throwing that out there. Um, but in Conversations with a Fat Girl, there's um, the main character, and that was actually that was actually her first novel. And um, the main character in that particular book, her whole identity is wrapped up in the fact that she has this best friend. So it has a lot of interesting things related mm-hmm. to, to friendship. And at some point along the line, and sort of un unrealized, like the character doesn't even realize this at throughout a lot of the novel, that friendship has become, while it's something that defines her, it's become something very unhealthy. And the friendship is starting to disintegrate, or maybe has already disintegrated. And she has all these other, she has a number of, not a ton of other, but she has other people around her, whether, you know, work and her family and her nieces. And those people are actually the people that she can count on. And like the reader sees this, but the narrator does not. And watching her figure out that this best friend, that she is more than this best friendship is that's sort of the theme of the whole book. And is just absolutely fantastic. And I haven't read another book that really looks at how the end of a friendship can be a very empowering thing. Yeah. And it's just like, I read that and I was like, oh my goodness, it's like nailed an experience I think a lot of people have. Yeah. And especially, I mean, it's an adult novel, but like you see that with teenagers a lot where um, one... That's happened to me One many friend times. is, one friend is sort of the dominant friend and one is sort of almost like her identity is quashed mm-hmm. by this other. It's 
as that book just sort of goes through this journey, this character, figuring out her identity, figuring out, like, taking control of, like, her career path and her relationships with other people and, like, allowing herself to be friends with other people who aren't this best friend. And it's also got a great revenge, like, scene. <laughs> <laughs> I like that book so, so much too because it's not a like I've triumphed and like I don't care anymore like she still cares and like man like revenge is like kind of a bad thing but like man she needs to get revenge on you know this sort of friend who's who hasn't like dreamed of getting revenge yeah you have actually yeah I have um <laughs> <laughs> now that I think about it I'm like thinking about things that you've told me <laughs> I'm like wait a second that spiteful, but I mean, there's something to be. I think they were totally the, justified. The catharsis of like the, the catharsis in that book of the revenge is very satisfying, and I really that book has really stuck with me. Even though it's not my favorite of Liza's books, um, that one has really stuck with me in terms of that character exerting control over her own life and like n- realizing that she cannot be defined just by this friendship. And that's, like, the thing since she was a kid been the thing that defined who she is. And that, I think that's something that resonates with people, young adults in particular, yeah. but just yeah. people in general. The dogs are throwing a shit. My dogs again. are upset, I would guess, because the mail has come. It is past the, the ball-throwing ball time. <laughs> this is a problem. My dogs, guys. <laughs> I love my dogs, but they are brats. So. so, Mindy, was there anything else you wanted to mention, like a book or just more about Friday Night Lights or, or zombies? zombies or... <laughs> um, no, no, I think that we covered all the things I had. I think it'll be the title. This will be Mindy Scott on personal agency, zombies, and Vince Howard. Yeah, <laughs> I think that's an excellent topic. I think it will get lots of people's attention. I do. I think people and... on iTunes will be like, "Hell yeah." <laughs> <laughs> You, you had why me. YA books, Friday Night Lights, and zombies. You had me. I I came for Mindy Scott, but you had, but I stayed for the zombies. That's gonna be. That's gonna be the. All right, so you want to wrap it up anyway, here? Yes. Yeah, so. Oh, so anyway, we really appreciate it, Mindy. Um, Thank you so I much. I know you're. You are. People can find you on your website, which is was it MindyScott.com? Yeah, and also WeHaveWords.com. Yep. Yeah, which it's, is a blog it, you write with your friend Michelle. Yes, it's actually I think it's we hyphen words hyphen. Oh, like, oh yeah. <laughs> like we we have words, but there's hyphens in there. But and you and if, Michelle, if you you and Michelle. It, have a kind of funny, like, you met in an online writing class, correct? We, we did. It's been a long time now. I think maybe seven years. Um, Michelle Andriani and I were in a Media Bistro YA writing class together, which was actually taught by Lisa Abrams, who was my editor for through this. And so Michelle and I are working on a book together, and um, we're, uh, we're, I think... 
hoping for good things with that. So, so are we. <laughs> so are we, because we need another Mindy book. Yeah, yeah, we, it's really, we do need another Mindy book in this world. Not to be so. demanding or anything. Yeah, not to put too much pressure <laughs> on you, Mindy. Um, <laughs> Michelle actually just emailed me the newest chapter while we've been talking, so Yay! I'm like, oh, I, I need to dive into that. So. <laughs> <laughs> so we look forward to hearing more news on that, and, you know. If you guys haven't read Live Through This and Free Fall, you need, you need to fix highly, that. We highly, highly encourage you to do that. <laughs> yes, thank you girls so much for having me and for always being so wonderful to talk to. <laughs> <All And right>. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm, I'm sure we'll be, we're fortunate enough that Mindy only lives about three hours from us. So when yeah. we happen to be up in Seattle, we always try to, you know. Yes, we will be seeing you, or I will be seeing you both soon. Yes. Yeah. So. All right, Mindy, thank you. Thank Thank you. you. (laughs) Bye. 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 Thanks for listening to the Clear Eyes Full Shelves podcast. Be sure to check out our book reviews, recommendations, opinion, and all-around nerdy badassery at cleareyesfullshelves.com or on Twitter at Full Shelves. And make sure to subscribe to the podcast in iTunes. Until next time, Clear Eyes Full Shelves can't lose. <laughs>